This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Well, guys, you are in for a treat. Johnny Erickson Tata is here, and I am so excited to have you, Johnny, and to hear your story. So let's start in the beginning in case somebody has not ever heard you before or gotten to be a part of your ministry before. Talk just a little bit about your life in ministry. Well, for our listeners who haven't heard my story, I was a 17-year-old back in the late 60s and uh, just fresh out of high school graduation and ready to go off to college and decided to take a trip to the Chesapeake Bay with my sister, Kathy, for a, a, a swim. Went to the beach, put down our towels and jumped into the water, swam out to this raft and uh, took a deep dive in what I thought was shallow water. Immediately, my head hit the bottom, a sandy bottom that snapped my head back and it crunched my spinal cord at the fourth cervical level immediately. Having severed my spinal cord, I became a quadriplegic, unable to use my hands, my legs. I could not right myself. I could not surface from my dive. I was face down in the water, ready to drown. But thankfully, my sister, who was also in the water, her back was turned to me. She did not see that I had taken that dive, but a crap bit her toe. And at that instant, she quickly turned around in the water to scream to me to watch out for the crabs. And of course, when she did, she saw that I was in trouble. She quickly came swimming and reached under my chest, dragged me up uh, from under the water. I was spitting and sputtering, breathing and gasping. And having just been a candidate for drowning, I was never so happy to breathe oxygen. But when I saw my arm slung over my sister's shoulder, and yet Mm. I could not feel it, I knew Mm. something awful had just happened. And that plummeted me into a journey of deep, dark depression when they told me I would never walk again, never have use of my legs, Mm. never, ever be able to use my hands. I would be uh, uh, totally paralyzed for the rest of my life. It was a a terrible, difficult day. Were you walking with Jesus at that point? I was. I was at some point. I was. But you know what, Jenny? Jesus was kind of like tucked in my back hip pocket. I just pulled him out every once Mm. in a while when I needed something. And And I was not taking the lordship of Mm. Christ in my life very seriously. And so I did not know how to get out of my sadness. I was just hoping that Mm. the joy of the Lord would just, quote, happen to me without any hard work. I kept waiting for my circumstances to change. I kept waiting in the hospital to get better, to get healed. And Jenny, I figured that once my circumstances changed, that is, once I was able to get out of my wheelchair, my depression would vanish. Well, it never happened because I stayed in my wheelchair. And so I stayed depressed. But finally, and I I do believe I took this step as a result of the pressure from other people's prayers. Finally, I found the courage to ask myself if I really wanted to do the hard work of believing God and trusting in his promises, Not, not just reading Bible promises or saying them out loud or even memorizing them but doing the hard work of what those promises asked of me. Uh, like, like, okay, real quick, for instance, Psalm 62 verse eight says, trust in the Lord at all times. Okay, tr- trust in the Lord at all times. It's hard work to do that. It is hard work to trust in God at all times. But now years later, I- I'm glad I had the courage to rein in my wayward, dark feelings because 
Battling sadness involves hard work to break out of that cycle of hopelessness. And I know it from experience. You got to start by thinking, not automatic thinking, but purposeful thinking. You got you to think guided by scripture. And that takes mental effort to keep pulling your emotions back to the promises of God where they should be anchored. You know, for some people who live with depression, that's not only hard to do, they feel it's too hard to do. It's impossible to do. But God is the God of impossibilities. The work involved doesn't seem worth it to them. But I dare say, uh, even some people don't want to change because they are loyal to their own way of living, even if it does breed more sadness. Or sometimes people, you know, don't want to change because they prefer to wait for the world around them to change. But somewhere along the line, you got to stop feeling and you got to start thinking. Again, purposeful thinking guided by scripture. And that takes mental effort to say no to those emotions that keep dragging you down that dark, grim path to depression and saying yes to the promises of God, starting with Psalm mm-hmm. 62, trust in the Lord at all times. So there you go. That's that's mm-hmm. kind of it in a nutshell. So when you came out of it and began to choose a different way to think, which is right up my alley, girl. I mean, I'm telling you, you're given the answers I care about the most because I just wrote a book about this called Get Out of Your Head. And it was all about stopping toxic spirals. So I believe it's possible too. Like I I mean it. I, I think this is possible and necessary in Christians' lives. But when that happened for you, like what did it look like? Like how did that change everything for you when you really came to a place where like, you know what, I'm going to choose to think and live differently? Well, Second Peter chapter 1 has good advice. Uh, it had good advice for me when I was depressed, and it starts off saying, make every effort, make every effort. That's that's hard to do. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and brotherly kindness love. And then it says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you, get that, they will, they will keep you from being depressed as it were. And and I think that's a good place to start. This Bible verse, uh, for me it was, make every effort to do the hard work of believing God. You wake up in the morning and you say, God, I feel like crying. I don't want to get out of bed. I can't face my day. I don't even have the strength to to make it to lunchtime, but I'm going to believe you. I'm going to quote, do the next thing empowered by your spirit. I'm going to do my devotions even though my emotions don't, aren't in it. I'm going to read your word, even though I don't feel like it. I'm going to choose to be, choose to put a smile on my face and be gracious to my husband, even though he's irritating me. I'm, I'm going to be soft-spoken to my children, even though they're driving me up a wall. You, you make the hard effort. You make every effort, it says in Second Peter chapter 1, to add to your faith all those good virtues that keep you from being depressed. For me, though, Jenny, uh, what it looks like often for me is singing. I sing my way through suffering. Just this morning uh, when I was waking up, I was singing the second verse to be still my soul. Thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be plain at last. Be still my soul. The waves and winds still know the one who ruled them when he dwelt below. So it's all a matter of small choices. It's all a matter of making every effort. 
It's a matter of saying no to those wayward emotions and yes to the promises of God. For me, that's what it looks like. I know a lot of people in this pandemic have felt a sense of sadness and grief. Is there ever a place for it? Is there ever a time for it? And what is that time? Well, you mentioned the pandemic, and it is a difficult season. Uh, pandemic is, the, the COVID-19 is bouncing up and down. It just keeps disrupting our lives. People struggle to stay focused, you know, struggle to stay on top of things and not discouraged, not slump into depression. I mean, I know stalwart saints, Christians, who are having a hard time. People, you know, for the most part have hardly been depressed a day of their lives. Some disappointment goes so deep that it seems nothing can console you or comfort you. I'm thinking of my husband, Ken. He had to cancel his annual fly fishing trip to Montana. He's never had to do that every year. It's been Ken's big thing to, you know, you look forward to getting together with the guys and and fishing the Madison River, sitting around the fire, talking about the big issues of life, looking up at the stars and just breathing. But he had to cancel that because uh, our doctors were concerned that somewhere along the way, my husband might pick up this coronavirus and bring it home. And if I got it, that'd be it. My lungs were just too fragile. But Ken handled his sadness, his sense of loss. He handled it so admirably. He turned his feelings Godward uh, rather than inward. And I, and I love that. You know, when you turn your feelings Godward rather than inward, because grief is going to happen to all of us. You know, grief is, occurs when we lose something. We lose something precious, a loved one to death or perhaps the loss of our health. For me, it was the loss of my hands and legs at work. You grieve those losses. But I love what David says in Psalm 5, consider my groaning, O Lord. I love those words. God hears every, every groan. Uh, he hears every cry. He understands the unspoken anguish. Nobody is as in touch or as in tune with the sadness in your soul as, as God. Let, let God pay close attention to the cry of your heart. And of all those deep inexpressible fears and longings and groanings, you got to turn your dark feelings Godward, not inward. Not stuff them, not minimize them, but do something good with them. Dark emotions will give you a glimpse of who you really are at your core. And it'll tell you, your dark feelings will tell you your need of God. God listens to your groanings. So mm. turn them all toward him rather than inward. I think that's exactly what you did looking back because I know Johnny and friends has blessed so many people. So many friends of mine have been a part of your ministry at some point, taken their child who has Down syndrome, you know, to something that you hosted. I mean, it is it has blessed so many people I love. And so talk a little bit about that shift from the despair to a mission that really has changed the world when it comes to suffering. Well, I think one of the best cures for any depression, Jenny, for any sad feelings is to get your focus off yourself and put it on others who are suffering more than you are. Even my advice to quadriplegics lying in bed, I will say to them, believe it or not, there are people out in that world, this big world who are suffering, who are afflicted far more seriously, more significantly than you are. So find a way to encourage them, pray for them. You can write notes on your computer. You can you can make a phone call with your with your electronic equipment, you know, you, you, you can reach out to others. The best advice when you're depressed is to get up in the morning, take a shower, eat your breakfast, get dressed, and walk out the front door and go find somebody else to serve who is hurting more than you are. And Jenny, thank you for mentioning our ministry. That's, that's what I did. I knew that one of the cures for my own depression would be to find other people with disabilities who were struggling more than I was struggling. 
and to find a way to encourage them because it is in giving that we receive. And when we give encouragement, we receive it from God. I, I just I just love the fact that now our, we deliver wheelchairs around the world and we give Bibles to people in, with disabilities in countries around the world. We're helping provide food, medicine. We're building small homes for people with disabilities around the world. Um, we're helping churches here in the U.S. not just include people with disabilities, but embrace families affected by disability. I often say that, uh, well, I didn't say this. This is somebody else who said it, but I, whoever said it, it's brilliant. Access is having a ramp to the table. Mainstreaming is having a seat at the table. Inclusion is having a voice at the table. But belonging is being heard at the table, you know, being embraced. And so God has been so gracious to me in my hardship. And I just want other people to experience that goodness from him, that kindness, that generosity. So sadness and depression and sad feelings can be the very impetus to not only teach us about who we really are, like, yikes, I need help. I'm in trouble. I need God. But then with God to then partner in with his spirit to go find somebody else who's hurting worse than you are. One of the things we love to do at the Made for This podcast is create free, helpful resources for you to print out and use alongside each season of the podcast. So this season, we have made a free PDF for you called the Life Inventory. It is a series of worksheets. It has conversation cards and all kinds of things we know you'll love. And it's just going to help you look back on the last couple months and grieve what was, celebrate what is, what's right in front of you, and then also look ahead and dream into the future. It's just a way for you to pray. My husband and I do it every single year, and it's just a great way to kind of pause, take inventory of every area of our life, from finances to our bodies and our families and everything in between. And we know that you will love it too. So you can go to JennyAllen.com and download that free life inventory PDF today. Do you ever have bad days now? What does that look like for you? Well, I do have bad days. I deal with chronic pain and sometimes it's overwhelming. And sometimes I just can't bear it, Jenny. I just, I just want to collapse. I just want to, just want to go back to bed. But I've got to remember that Jesus is Emmanuel. He's God with me. Elsewhere, the Bible says that Jesus is for me, never against me. Jesus loved me enough to die a torturous death for me. Why, why wouldn't he want what's best for me? He's proved himself utterly trustworthy beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I have seen Jesus come through for me when all else failed. So who am I going to listen to? My emotions? Or Jesus. 53 years in a wheelchair have taught me to listen to Jesus. And, and, and this is how I do it. Okay, Psalm 125, verse 3 says, The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Now, real quickly, consider the verbs. The Lord has done great things for you, so we are filled with joy. Okay, the, the first verb is past tense. The second is present tense. And when you're depressed, think of what God has done for you in the past, because when you do, you're heading in the right direction emotionally. When your emotions start drifting south, Psalm 126 tells you, remember, remember the great things Jesus has done, his many gifts, his countless blessings, the times he's rescued you, and best of all, your salvation. And when you reflect on all that Christ is and all that he has done for us, you are filled with joy. I am filled with joy. 
It's a work of faith to believe it, though. It's like a muscle to be exercised, faith is. It takes effort to remember who Mm. Jesus is and what he has done, but it is the path to being filled with joy. And and that's what I do, Jenny. I I remember the many ways God has helped me. And and another thing, sadness is, it's an indicator about your soul. What are these dark feelings telling you? What are these dark feelings telling you about your lack of faith or your propensity to doubt? Or your tendency to fear. You know, when you, when you look at these dark feelings, they really are your textbook to tell you who you are and describe your need of God. And where do we get that need filled? Of course, God's word, as I've been talking about, you know, whether it's Second Peter or, or whether it's Psalm 5 or whether it's Psalm 126 or so many others. These are the anchors for our emotions. I'd love to hear just a little bit about your love story with your husband. My husband, he's a he's a fabulous guy. I think maybe, I don't know, some of your listeners, our listeners today might know the story. I was in my 30s and sitting in church one day, a single, a little bored with the sermon, and my eyes fell in the back of this man's head sitting about five or six pews in front of me, and I, I just started praying for him, didn't know who he was, couldn't see his face, but I felt led to pray for him for about 20, 30 minutes. I continued to pray. And I almost wheeled up to this guy after the benediction to you know, let him know what I'd done for him. But I thought that looked kind of pushy. So I, I let that drop. But then about a couple of months later, we were introduced to mutual friends. And I said to Ken Tata the first time I met him, turn around and let me see the back of your head. And it was the same guy. I couldn't believe it. And now we've been married 38 years. And my husband is an awesome uh, caregiver. He's my best friend. But that too has taken great effort and hard work. We do the daily disciplines of reading the Bible together. Uh, we have read the Bible through a year together, coming up on 15 years. That's a long time. Every year, uh, every day, we are reading the Bible through together for a full year. And then we start back on January 1st with Genesis chapter 1, read all the way through Revelation that following year. And we've done that for 14 years. We'll be coming up on 15. And it's those kinds of disciplines, you know, where we keep short lists with each other, where we are free to say, man, I just said something stupid to you. Would you please forgive me? I was being really self-centered. I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me? I mean, just making those words come out naturally, forming them around our mouths and, and just keeping short lists with one another and, and giving each other mercy, extending each other mercy, especially during COVID when uh, you know, you're sequestered, you're on top of each other in the house and stepping on each other's toes and in each other's spaces and you just got to extend each other mercy. You know, my husband, I know that I am the most important person in his life. And he in turn is the most important person in mine. He believes it's his job. And I believe it's my job to help the other be everything that God wants him to be, to partner with God and helping my husband be the best person that he can be. And uh, it's, it's made for a good but a difficult marriage. Yet with that hard work, it's been very, very sweet. Mm, I love that story. What I want to hear, too, is the person listening that maybe does not believe in Jesus, that is in awe of everything you're saying, and it feels pretend. But yet for 50 plus years, you have been paralyzed in a wheelchair, believing the goodness of God. What would you say to them? Like, if they can't even believe this is true, how has Jesus truly made this possible to live with joy for you? Well, there are only, there are only two proofs for the Christian faith. One is the word of God, 
And the second is your experience of that word. And there might be some who listen who are just filled with doubts. They're not sure. They don't believe it's possible to have joy sitting in a wheelchair for most of your life. But I would quote Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10. For that person who walks in darkness, it says, for he who walks in darkness without a single ray of light, okay? That's pretty dark. You're pretty depressed. You're pretty sad. If you walk in darkness without a single ray of light, and here's what it says, trust in the Lord and rely upon your God. You're never going to believe God unless you start believing God. You've got to take his word for what it is and step out into it by faith. And a good place to start, I think, is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, where it says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You'll begin to know if Jesus is real in your life if you can do that verse. In everything, give thanks. Now, it's not saying in everything, feel thankful. That's not possible. But in everything, give thanks. I remember when someone first told me that, I said, but look, I'm totally paralyzed. That's awfully big. That's a big ask. And he said, well, start small. Start giving thanks for those things for which you can give thanks for, like being able to sit up in a wheelchair or having use of your mind or being able to speak or see or get outside or the fact that you uh, you have a job and you've got friends, you've got family, so find things for which you can give thanks for. And Jenny, that's what I started doing. And I would suggest our listeners do the same. Find things for which you can give thanks and begin the discipline, the practice of counting your blessings daily. Voice them, write them down one by one, 20, 30, 40, 50 blessings. Just start saying them out loud. Thank you, God for this and that and the other. After a while, God will reward you with the emotions of thankfulness. That's a good place to start Mm. to discover whether or not Christ is truly real in your life. Because when you see the transformation in your heart and in your feelings, your emotions, you'll say to yourself, whoa, where'd that come from? That's not of me. That's not Mm. like me to feel thankful in this situation, to be gracious, to be merciful to this person. What, what, What is this change all about? Well, you know what? It's about Christ becoming Lord of your life. That's a great first step to take. Hmm. One of my best friends is familiar to a lot of people listening right now, Sarah Henry. She had a massive stroke at 35 years old, and she was just an everyday friend for me. We walked through life, carpool, kids, everything, every single day. And so she woke up and could move her thumb. That's where she started. And today can, can walk and dress herself and lots of great movement, but she still can't speak and not not the way that she used to. And so it's just been exactly what you're saying. And I appreciate you so much giving words to what I've watched happen in her because she can't give the words. She still has joy and she is so grateful she's alive and she is ministering and thinking of other people all the time, all the time. In fact, when we talked today, I've moved, I've since moved, so I don't see her every day like I used to, but but we FaceTime all the time. And and when we talk, she wants to check on me. Like her whole life is just so thoughtful. And, and I do see this as something, and I've ex- observed it firsthand, as something that is possible in the most dire of circumstances. And so I just want to say thank you personally for you putting words to what I've seen my friend live. Because it is difficult to watch somebody go through hell But there's also something very beautiful about it. And I felt honored to walk beside her and to see God be enough for her. And that's what what she would still say today. She's so precious. I mean, she is sending me encouragement and songs. And I mean, she just, 
she walks with Jesus. And, and I'm so grateful that that's been true. God has shown me and taught me so much just from watching her. So today, before you go, can you just encourage that person that just has no hope, that's listening and they want to believe it, but they just are so discouraged? Well, if you've had a situation like Sarah or like me, a terrible injury, an accident, or perhaps some other catastrophic disappointment in your life, you you can look at that disappointment, that injury, illness, that death, disease, divorce, whatever, as the terrible, no good, very bad, horrible day. Admit it. That's what it is. But it's also something else. It is a glorious, beautiful, wonderful, brilliant day because that incident, that deep disappointment, that death, disease, divorce, stroke, injury, whatever, that thing that has dragged you down is going to be the very thing that will push you into the arms of your Savior, Jesus. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he said, uh, these things happened, these awful things, these things happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. And that's the whole point behind, quote, God allowing suffering. We wonder why it happens what happens so that we will be pushed further and deeper and more intimately into the breast of Jesus Christ. God shares his joy on his terms, and those terms call for us to in some measure suffer as his own precious son suffered. It's hard to believe, it's hard to grasp, but once you dive in and once you believe his word, you experience a joy that is hands down off the charts, over the top, so effervescent and profound and awesome and all-consuming. It's like it it just springs back up to God in a fountain of joy, and 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 it flows out to others in streams of encouragement. And, And you can lie in bed in the middle of the night totally paralyzed, like me or Sarah, and think, man, I'm the most happiest person in the world. How could that be? Jesus, it must be you. And the more you even say that and acknowledge it, the more joy will flood your heart because you're sharing in Christ's afflictions and you are going to him for the help and hope desperately needed. That's what I would say. Yep, your days are terrible, horrible, no good and very bad if you're suffering from some deep disappointment, but those can also be the days that will be brilliant, wonderful, glorious, great because they will push you to Christ. everyone, this is Chloe, and I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Jenny and Johnny Erickson Tata. It is just such a privilege that we had Johnny join us today, and we can't wait to tell you a little bit about some of her resources that we think you'll love. If you want to connect with Johnny, you can go to johnnyandfriends.org. That's J-O-N-I and friends.org. Johnny also has some incredible books that we think you would love, and you can find all of those on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and everywhere books are sold. Thank you so much for listening. We hope today encouraged you and we will see you next time.